What sorrow awaits those who argue with their Creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? This is the level of rebellion lots of people have against God. Even people who call themselves Christians. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. So I'm very excited for today and thank you so much again for joining us and being with us. We are busy with a series called One, Two, Three, Four, I Declare a Thought War. Amen. And today our message title is why do you think you are here? Why do you think you are here? And we're going to talk about purpose and what that means. So just to bring you into what we're busy with, we've been talking about how it is a fact that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you didn't realize that yet, let that be your first revelation for today. One of many, I hope. And that you would realize you need to actually take hold of your thinking through the power that God gives you. Otherwise, you will go in a direction that is not necessarily where God wants you. And we've been talking about this idea of we've got a war going on in our mind. We've got a battle going on in our mind. And it's a spiritual one, but it takes place in our thought lives. Amen? All right. So I want to I just bring you back into our series scriptures. Let's focus on the Word of God. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, how many of you are raised with Christ? Seek those things which are above. So if you put your hand up, this is something you have to do. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. There's another instruction. Set your mind on things above. That's something we have to choose to do. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What an amazing thing. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And all those things would be from God. 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare is, are not carnal, they're not physical, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You have weapons that are mighty in God. Can you get excited? And they are there for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did you know that you can bring every thought into captivity under the authority of Christ Jesus and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled? That should become a rap song or something. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle. Everybody say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, your battle is not against that person that irritates you. Your battle is not against the government that you don't like. Your battle is not against that taxi driver that goes in front of you. It's the spirit behind what's operating. Amen? We as Christians need to know that we need to set our minds in that way. What are we fighting? We are fighting against principalities, powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is where the battle lies. And all of that happens here first. Okay. Good, lekker. So the answer to the question, why do you think you are here? If I ask each and every one of you individually, why do you think you are here? 
Hoekom denk jij? Is jij hier? I will get different answers. Some of you will say, I don't know. Some might say, I'm unsure. Some might say, I am a random result of a cosmic burp. A product of revolution. I mean evolution. So, that is people who believe that somewhere for millions of years, water fell for a very long time on a rock, and then it became an amoeba, and then that amoeba became an ape, and then the ape became a man, and that's you. Um, and then when you believe that, you, be- you don't believe there is, there is a creator which created you for a reason, which means you don't think that you're accountable for the choices you make in your life. Maybe your answer is, Well, the reason I'm here is because I was born. Now I have to live. I have to pay taxes and then I'll die. So my reason for being here is just to survive. I just want to get through another day. Some of you may say, I want to be successful. I want to be happy. That is the reason for living. And what I mean by success and happiness is that I have no problems. I have lots of comfort and lots of wealth. Anyone think that's their reason for living? Some of you will say, I want to be famous. I want to be an influencer. I want to change the world. Yes. Look at me. (laughs) Some of you might say, the world owes me. I will do whatever it takes I will step on whoever I need to, to get what I want now. Some people will say that. Perhaps your answer is, I'm unsure of why I'm here, because I don't see my own worth, my own value. When I look at other people and their lives, and I look at my own life, there must be something wrong with me. And God doesn't see me, because look at how I'm living And look at how they're living. So I must be worth less than they. So I don't know why I'm here. Maybe your answer is, I just want to do better than my parents. And maybe your answer is the very standard one. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to get married. I'll have two and a half kids. I'll work hard. And then I'll retire and travel the world. That is my purpose. There are many more answers, possibilities, but would you agree that we've kind of covered quite a few answers to the question, why do you think you are here? All right. So our first message that we did in this series, the question was, who do you think you are? And it was very important for us to establish that we are born again children of God and that we actually believe it. Our second message was called Be Transformed. And we talked about how important it is to choose to engage in the vital process of sanctification. The process of becoming holy, of letting our corrupt body and soul come in line with our regenerated spirit. When our thoughts about who we are, so the first question was, who do I think I am? When our thoughts of who we are line up with what God says about who we are, and if we are committed to being transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we can start unraveling the mystery of why we are here on this planet at this time. In other words, our thoughts about why we are here will start to line up with what God says about why we are here. Are you following? All right. And it's so important to note that in the same way, who you think you are and who God says you are need to be in alignment. In the same way, who you think you are, sorry, why you think you are here and why God says you are here should line up. Would you agree? 
Otherwise, what will happen? You will move further and further away from God's idea of who you are and why you are here. I started wrestling with the question, who am I and why am I here from a very early stage in my Christian life. I got saved when I was 16. Uh, I ironically got saved at a Christian leaders camp. So I rocked up there going, I am a Christian leader. And I really thought I was a Christian. And that weekend I realized I was a cultural Christian who knew about a God, but I didn't know him personally. And my life changed the night that I, that I met my father in heaven. And he told me, I love you, my son. This completely wrecked me, changed my life. I was never the same. And soon after that, I... Yes, thank you, Jesus. And soon after that, I, I had this big challenge in, in my whole being to, to answer this question, who am I and why am I here? So I started early on to ask this question. And, and I started to figure it out. And if, at first it was just in, you know, cognitively, like I think I understand now. But the, the process from understanding cognitively and walking it out practically is quite a journey. But by God's grace, it started to happen. And jumping ahead to a time in my life where I started, you know, from doing what I did, you know, doing music professionally, getting lots of people that, you know, ask me, especially moms, my kind can so moist sing. My daughter, I think she has a lot of potential. Won't you help her? And, and they, they ask you in an elevator and they want you to change their lives in a minute and a half, you know, or however long you're in the elevator. And I, I realized I can't help people in five minutes with real advice about how the music industry works and what they need to have in place. And, you know, or just to tell them, don't do it. It's very, very hard. <laughs> yeah, anyway. One of the, one of the hardest things I've, I've had to do a few times was to tell people they should not pursue this as a profession. It's a very hard thing to do. But the best answer I could come up with at one stage was, you know what? All things are possible, but the probability that you will make it based on your natural talent is very slim. And then they kind of blink and go, what does that mean? <laughs> I say, you need to sing for fun, not for work. There's, that's basically what it comes down to. Anyway, so I started doing these workshops because people, there was a need, so I tried to fill a need. And... I had a workshop for aspiring singers, and I, I would ask them these four questions. You need to be able to answer these questions if you want to have a career in music. Why? Because if you don't know who you are and what you're going to do, your audience won't know. Or you will struggle to find an identity as an artist, and you will do what many people have done. They said, I recorded an album. I'm like, okay. It's got country, pop, gospel, everything. I'm like, that's a horrible idea. Because what you think is amazing, because look at me, I'm so versatile to the world. It's like, you don't know who you are and you don't know what music you want to make. What music is successful is where they have a golden thread of a sound that goes through the whole album and you're like, when I hear that song, I know it's Bon Jovi. I know it's this band. I know it's that band. I, I recognize the vocal. It's because they have an identity. So... For you to have an identity as an artist, you actually be able to answer these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my message? And to whom is my message? So the first question is identity. The second one is calling. The third one is the content of what you are going to produce. And the fourth one is your audience to whom you want to bring the message. Because newsflash, not everyone will like what you bring. But there will be people who like what you bring. All right. So that's more on a practical thing. This, in my opinion, works for many directions, by the way. But I want to take that as a sort of a basic outline, get into Scripture, and then we're going to change those questions a little bit today in how we're going to answer them. So some of you who have been with us for a while would have heard me include this in a sermon before, these questions. Um, because they are important in our faith walk as well. I also believe they follow on each other. 
you first need to know who you are before you can know why you are here, before you can formulate a message and know who it's for. Would you agree? It all, re- it all starts from a place of knowing identity. And you cannot know your identity, your true identity, not a made-up one. You cannot know your true identity if you are not saved, if you are not God's child. All right. Thank you, Tanya. All right. We are going to read a lot of Scripture now. And I'm going to show you... (laughs) I'm going to show you under a few different headings who God says or what God says about why you are here. And then we're going to try to pull those things together. And I hope that by the end of it, all of us will be so excited, encouraged, and strengthened with this knowledge. Amen? All right. So, the first topic is God the Father. He is the potter. We are the clay. So let's read Isaiah 29, 16. It says, Surely you have things turned around. He's talking to the nation of Israel who are going against what God wants. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? Okay, put in a different way, I will not do what God says because I know better. And I don't recognize that he made me. Evolution. So Isaiah, Isaiah 45 verse 9 from the New Living Translation. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? This is the level of rebellion lots of people have against God. Even people who call themselves Christians, in some way or form, they're like, I would rather do this, or I would rather do it this way. Or, God, I'm sure, you know, you've got this part of my life, but this part I'm in control of. Any shape of that is you not recognizing that he is the potter and you are the clay. This is, this is so importantly important and vital to understand that he is a sovereign King who decided. And you either fall in line or you don't. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you the potter. And all we are the work of your hand. You see, you can rebel and not accept God's original plan for you. But you will always feel frustrated and empty because you're actually abusing yourself. Why do I say that? Because purpose, if you don't know what something's purpose is, you will abuse it. Amen? Have you ever seen a child take those cups that men use to protect themselves in cricket and go like this? It looks like an oxygen mask. No, 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 no. (laughs) It protects something else. When you do not understand the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. In the same way, if you don't know what you as a pot was made for by the potter, then you will abuse what you are. Because you will try and apply it in a way that it was not made for. Have you ever, I mean, I don't know how it is in your house. I know the typical thing is men don't read instructions and women are like, read the instructions. In my house, it's the other way around. I like reading the instructions because it actually really helps me. And it makes sense. And it's like, I don't know how this works. Look at this. It came with a manual. Maybe the people who made it knows better. You know, it's the same with the Bible. He made you, he formed you, and he said, here, do what I say. Live the best 
life. You can in my kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right. The second, the second topic, we've done the potter and the clay. We're going to talk about God's plans versus our plans. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts, the plans that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts or plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I love the fact that the New King James uses the word thoughts. Some of the other translations use the word plans. But where do plans start? Thoughts. So God has thoughts about you. He has thoughts toward you and he has plans for your life that comes from his thinking. Why do you think you are here? Maybe why you are here should line up with what God thinks why you are here. Amen. All right. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Many of us want to read and, you know, and, and just read that first part and say, we know that all things work together for the good. That's not the end of the sentence. I've told you many times before, the Bible is full of if and thens. It will work together for the good for those who love God. What does that mean? Oh, I just feel, you know, I love Him so much. Okay, what does that mean and what does that look like in your life? Do you put Him first or do you put your girlfriend first or your job or you're chasing after mammon, money? Who is really first in your life? Do you love him? Or do you just randomly quote verses like that and think it's like a lucky packet or he's a genie. He will just make things. No, it's from relationship. Jesus says, Jesus himself says in John 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, Keep my commandments. John 1 John 5 verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Psalm 112 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who greatly delights in obeying the word of God. The commandments. How do we greatly delight in obeying God's law? Only through loving Him. And only when we choose to love Him and that love shows through my action of being obedient, can I stand on this word that says that all things will work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Are you, are you called according to what purpose? Your purpose or God's purpose? Oh, we're going to get back into that. That's one of the topics. Next one under God's plans. Proverbs 16 verse 9. A very famous one. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, you remember me saying that we read in Jeremiah that the heart is deceptive and sick. We cannot follow it. All right. But the whole world shouts, just follow your heart. You know. Let your dreams come true. I keep getting, I don't know what accents I must use because every time I use an accent, people criticize me. Like, what are you trying to say about Afrikaans people? I'm like, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just trying to make a point. Anyway, so I need to find a new accent. The heart is deceptive above all else and sick to the core. So when I try to plan my life, to walk out what I think are my purpose, purposes in life, I will be misled. God says, let me order your steps. The Lord will direct your steps. Isaiah 14 verse 27 from the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? Ah, oh, come on. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? Do you know how encouraging that actually is? It's because if the Lord of heaven's armies have spoken over you, who you are and why you are here, 
it is settled. Do you know that the only thing that can, can stand between you and living who you are and why you're here is you and the way you think. That's the only thing that can stand in the way. If I've dropped the mic every time I've said something good today, we would have no mics left. Third topic, the Great Commission. Is it the third one? Yeah. The Great Commission. Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Everybody say all authority. Therefore, because I have all authority, I'm going to give you something to do. I'm going to give you a purpose. Go. That involves movement, action. And do something else. Make disciples of all nations. That word does not refer to countries as we understand it now. It means people groups. Baptizing them. Yo, I must baptize people. Yes. The same way you were baptized, you must baptize others. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples. Teach these disciples to do what? Live the way they want to. Abuse God's grace. No. To obey all the what? Obey the what? I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. You are not alone in doing this that seems impossible. I am with you. Mark 16 verse 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel, to some people, to those I know, to those that make me feel comfortable, to everyone. And who believes, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. No, but God is love. He will let everyone, you know, just... There's more than one way. No. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No other way to the Father. Any other thing you make up that you think you can get? No. You are creating a God that you are worshiping, which is idolatry. You're breaking the first and the second commandment. If you make up a God that suits you and makes you feel comfortable, you have made up an idol. Even if you call him God, even if you call him Jesus, he's not the God of the Bible. Acts 1 verse 8 from the New Living. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? He opens his mouth and speaks about what? What he has witnessed. What have they witnessed? Jesus, His miracle working power and the fact that they now have the Holy Spirit. And where must they go? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. He was not unclear. He is saying, do the impossible, do the supernatural but don't worry, I will give you the Holy Spirit who will empower you to do the impossible. Amen? I want you, uh, Arnand coming up here this morning and speaking the way he did and going into prayer. That's the Holy Spirit. He was uncomfortable out of his mind. His body was struggling, but his spirit is alive. And if he can do it, you can do it. Amen? Be encouraged. All right. Next one. Do not think more of yourself than you ought to. But also, don't think less of yourself than you ought to. And serve. This is all connected. Not thinking more of yourself. Not thinking 
too little of yourself, serving the local church and growing as the body of Christ. These are all connected. You'll see now. Romans 12 verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, everyone in the church, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. How many of you noticed that Romans 12, 3 to 5 is exactly following on last week's Romans 12, verse 1 to 2? What did he say? Oh, wow. All break is Apologies. Break through this chair. <laughs> Chairman. All right. Okay, focus. Let's come back. So, Romans 12, 1 to 2, it said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It goes directly into this, where he says, do not think. He says, renew your mind, transformed by renewing of your mind. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You see the following on the thought there. Why? Because if you think of yourself more highly than you ought to, you will not have a servant heart when it comes to the other people in church. And you will not come to church to serve. You will come to church to receive or to get attention. And we need people that come and serve because they see that God is busy with something. And I'm here to please God. I'm here to do this for God. Amen. And he says, Don't worry, you've each been given a measure of faith to do this, and you've each been given gifts, and each of your gifts are unique. Amen? So in the same breath, he's saying, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So there's a level where you ought to think of yourself as a child of God who has a measure of faith and who has been given gifts for for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I have to think that way, because it's part of my renewing of my mind can you see that yo this is good philippians 2 3 let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind do you see that mind the way we think in other words i must think humbly about myself let each esteem others better than himself What does this sound like? Jesus said, the most important commandment, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as you love yourself. Can you love others if you don't love yourself? My wife always uses this great example. In the airplane, when they explain to you that if we would have a water landing, nice euphemism, we're not going to crash into the water. We will have a water landing. Oxygen masks will drop down from a panel above you, Grab them, pull them towards you, and put it over your mouth first. Um, Adults, uh, each one put it over your own face before you help others. Okay, why? Because if you can't breathe, you can't help others. This is that thing. Where if you don't see yourself through God's eyes, you won't recognize your worth. You won't recognize the calling on your life. And you won't know how God thinks of you. That means you will look down or in a, in a, in a, you want to esteem yourself so you can't esteem others. Your self-esteem will be low and then you will look at others that way. Or you will think others are better than you and your low self-esteem just gets lower and lower. And you can't engage with people because you don't see yourself for who you really are. Can you see that? Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Okay, I want you to see the levels of humility that Christ did, that he went through, the levels of humility. He was with God in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He's talking about Jesus, but he started off by saying, have this mind. Have this mind. 
Have this mind that you will serve to the point of death in your own flesh. It's not about what I want in terms of my flesh. Renewing of the mind will lead to a place that we spoke about last week. Where my, where the way I think in my soul and the way that I am in my body will line up more and more and more with my spirit being, which is new. So now I will love better because I understand God's love better because I understand who I am in Christ and why I'm here. Can you see that? Galatians 6.3 For if anyone thinks himself to be something, he is nothing. He deceives. Oh, sorry. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. What, is that, what does that translate to? If I think of who I am and why I am here in the wrong way, I deceive myself. Those are the worst deceptions. We've, when you realize you've been deceiving yourself, like, oh, my word. James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Our, our spiritual battle, one of the ways we win is through humility. Humility towards God. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. There's that word again from Paul. He's passionately saying to them, I beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk in all lowliness, humility gentleness with long suffering which is a fancy word for patience bearing with one another in love bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you are called to one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Yo. Why do you think you are here? Boom. You are here to serve God. And you serve God when you serve people. And you can only serve people when you look at yourself the right way. A little bit further down in Ephesians from verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the what? what? Okay, so these are gifts. He's talking about spiritual gifts again. He says, Jesus gave you these five offices, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. They are there to do what? Equip the saints. Who are the saints? Yeah, it's you, man. You're a saint. If you are born again, made new in Christ, you are a saint. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. The fivefold ministry is there to equip you for the work. Yes, you actually have to do something of ministry. What is ministry? Anyone? Ministry? Yes. Preaching the gospel, seeing people get free, all right? Listen, it keeps going. It gets so much better. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all. Okay, so we all call to be ministers of the gospel. We are equipped by the fivefold to go out and serve God, lead people to Christ, and build the kingdom of God. And we are also there to edify, build up, make better, bring a contribution to the body of Christ, which is what? The church. Each of us have to now ask ourselves, whoa, do I see it that way? How am I edifying this local body of Christ? What am I doing? Am I doing that? Or do I just come and sit and wait and 
receive and go home? Or do I come and contribute? Do I come and help? Do I come and love on people? Do I, do I come alongside this ministry and say, hey, I want to bring something. I want to, and, it's, and it has to be sacrificial. Because you know what's going to happen when you start doing that? Your life will change. God is saying this for your benefit. Yes, for the benefit of others, absolutely. But it's actually for you as well. Amen? But listen to, there's a, a till. So we do this until there's a process. I've preached on this, but I cannot preach on this enough. Until we all, all of us, all of us in the church, come. There's a process and there's a destination to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And we need to become this, a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is our example. Christ is our bar of where we need to move towards as people of God. There's a process. Why do you think there's a process of sanctification? It's not so you can stay the same. It's not so you can just go through the motions. It's so you can become like Christ. And you become like Christ when you die to self and serve others humbly. Because that's what he did. He says in his word, the, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. We need to say, when I get up in the morning, I did not wake up to be served. I am here to serve. But men of God, you still need to give your wife a coffee. <laughs> we come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Why? That, there's a reason, we should no longer be like children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. What happens when you mature in Christ? You start discerning the lies from the truth. You start seeing when someone is talking nonsense and when it is real. Amen? The cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, this is who we are. We speak the truth in love. I hope that that's your experience of this church. We speak the truth in love because we love you. So that we can grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We have to be like Christ and grow up in Christ. From the whole body, the church, how is this body joined? It's joined and knit together by what? Every joint supplies. Whew. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. <sighs> How did we get church so wrong when this has been in the Word of God for 2,000 years? It, it's not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. This is how church should be. Everyone coming out of a love for God they come because I love God, and because I love God, I love His people. And you know what? One of the things that humility entails, and this is going to sting someone, I'm sure, but one of the things that humility entails is to lay down the hurt of the past. Too many people use, I've been hurt by the church, as an excuse to not give, grow, mature. If you've been hurt, I am sorry. That sucks. It should not have happened. Come for Sozo. Get rid of that problem. And mature and heal and grow. Because the longer you hold on to that hurt, the longer you are ineffective in the kingdom of God. And we miss out on what you are supposed to bring. You are that joint that supplies something, it says, of what every joint supplies. So the, the, the measure to which this church is not where it can be is to, the, is to the extent that everyone that is not bringing what they're supposed to supply is not bringing that. Can you see that? Do you want to see us get a new building? It's going to take all of us bringing everything that God has put in us to supply it. I cannot and don't want to do it on my own. I'm not that kind of pastor. I know that when God called me to do this, I'm a catalyst. I'm a pioneer. And I have a role. But I have to 
lead you all to become the leaders that you are called to be so that we can change this area. I cannot do it on my own and I don't want to. I will never sleep. <laughs> Let me. Uh, God doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you to come and live and walk in the fullness of what He has put inside of you. He has deposited something so special and unique in each and every one of us. And there's a reason why you are here today. There's a reason why you're listening online. You know, when you go to Israel, there's a thing they do in the beginning where they tell, tell you, you think that you plan to be here, but we want to tell you God brought you here. And it's the same for here. God brought you here. Whatever reason you think you're here, it's not that. You plan in your heart, but God orders your steps. <laughs> and you have a choice right now. You can listen to all these scriptures from the word of God. You can have that sense of, oh my word, this is true and it's stirring me and it's challenging me. And you can walk out of here and nothing changes. Because the choice is is yours or you can say yes to the word of God you can put out a hand and say help me I want to do this but I don't know how and then I will tell you you are welcome I will help you get into a connect group start doing life with people come for sozo and start to grow come and serve because every time you come and serve and help and make things possible in this church you are dying to self and coming more alive in Christ and if you think some of you are thinking oh you're just manipulating me to come and help no I'm not I don't need you I want you to come the same way God wants you I, I can set this all up, and I just have to get here at 4 o'clock. I can, but I don't want to. We struggled this morning because we didn't have enough people. It shouldn't be that way. We should have enough hands for everything that needs to happen here. Because you don't do it for me. You're doing it for God and the people around you. You do it so that the next person that walks through that door that doesn't know what love is will be completely bowled over with the love of God and their life will change. That's why when you see a chair that's not right, in the, you, you, change, you move it and you make it right. This is your home. This is your home as well. I try to teach my kids that, that, that this home is your home. So do you want your home to look like this? Pick it up, man. Make it neat. Sweep the floor. Clean the bathroom. Leave it clean when you're done there. Yes, I'm getting like a dad now. But that's, do you, do you understand? The motivation is not to please people. It's to please God by obeying what His Word says. Amen? The biggest mistake you can make, and I've made this mistake, the biggest mistake you can make is to think what God has deposited in you for His kingdom is not as impressive as someone else's gift because it doesn't look that impressive to the world. That's like saying, Yo, thanks God, but no thanks. Can I return this? Where's the slippy? That is, that is an affront to the potter who made you the clay that he wants you to be. And we cannot measure our worth and our efficiency and our success by the world standards. We have to measure it by one thing, obedience. What did God say? Am I obedient? If I can say yes, great, I'm successful. That's the only thing that matters, is being obedient to His Word. If you are never in the limelight and you really want to be, then God is dealing with your pride. And when, you're, when you finally die to self, He will raise you up where He wants you. But He cannot work with a proud person. He resists them. But He gives grace to the humble. Amen? The next one. Our purpose is to proclaim His praise. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Before Christ, that was you in darkness. That was me in darkness. After Christ, we're in the light. And this is what he says about us. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And then he says, why? That you may. Do what? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Why are you here? To proclaim the praises of the one who put you here. Amen. Isaiah 43, 21. God is speaking. This people I have formed myself. They shall declare my praise. This people I have formed. They shall declare my praise. Why am I here? To praise God. To make his name great. To proclaim his greatness. I've got goosebumps all over my body. That is why we are here. And finally, our purpose is to serve God's purpose. And what is his purpose? To reconcile mankind with God the Father and to build his church. That is his game plan. Reconcile mankind with himself and build his church, his bride. So, how do, why am I here? To serve God's purpose. Not your purpose. God's purpose. 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You are not your own. You have died to self and come alive in Christ. Everyone say, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Okay, now believe it. Believe it. Let it sink in. You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. An incalculable high price. The blood of Jesus bought you. You are not your own. You are not your own. I feel like that scene from Goodwill Hunting where he had to keep telling him, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault until he got it and he cracked and he realized it's not my fault that my dad abused me. Some of us need to know this morning, I'm not my own. I'm not my own. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. If you, if you really get that, that is when your purpose in the kingdom of God serving His purpose will become clear. Amen? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Because you're not your own, because you've been bought at a price, glorify God with this body. Everything of this body should be glorifying God. He gave you percussion. He gave you stringed instruments. He gave you feet to make a rhythm with. Glorify Him. And glorify Him by being His hands and feet to other people. Acts 13 verse 36 from the NIV. Now when David, King David, had served God's purpose... In his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors where his body decayed. When did he die? When he served God's purpose in his own generation. Each of us has a purpose for God's kingdom in our generation. Amen. Ephesians 1 verse 11. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of who? Whose purpose? His purpose. And what does he do? He works 
all things according to the counsel of His will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Why do you exist? To praise Him, to glorify Him. The NLT puts it this way. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. God's purpose that was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. That is His plan. In summary, God the Father is the potter and I am the clay. And He made me for a specific purpose. I need to trust that and not rebel against His plans. His plans are superior to my plans. He knows my purpose and has already written the days of my life. His plans, He has plans to prosper those who love Him. Those who love Him to do His will. Sorry, to those who love Him, His plans are unchangeable. All believers are called to the Great Commission. You are called. If you give your life to Christ, you are called to serve the Great Commission. And what is that? To take the gospel to the nations and to disciple others. It doesn't just stop with proclaiming the gospel. It's also getting into people's lives and loving them so much that you will teach them what Jesus has taught you and see them change. Don't think more of yourself than you ought to. Stay humble. But also, don't think less of yourself than you should because you are God's precious people. Be focused on other people and their needs. Aim for unity in the church and serve the body of Christ. Why? Because that's what you were made for. And when you do it, you will mature in Christ. That's how it works. Once again, if you use something for a purpose it wasn't intended for, you will abuse it. The extent to which you don't step into your calling in this local assembly is the extent to which you won't mature in Christ. Our purpose is to proclaim the praises of God, to praise the beauty of His holiness. That's why we were made. Our purpose is to serve God's purpose. And what is that? To reconcile man to God and to build his church by serving others in church. So to come back to those four questions, baby, come I join? To come back to those four questions, I want to rephrase them. They were, who am I? Why am I here? What's my message? To whom is my message? We're going to change them today to say, who does God say I am? Why does God say uh, am I here? What is the message of God that He wants me to deliver? And to whom does God want me to deliver that message? Will you please stand with me and I want you to repeat this after me. I am a child of God. Okay, we're going to start that again. I am a child of God. Called to serve His purposes. Which is to lovingly lead people to Jesus and to help them mature. Amen? Amen. Just take a moment and reflect about what we just read and what we went through. These scriptures are so powerful and they are so true. But they only come into effect when we choose to obey them. And once again, I'm not here to try and convince anyone to come and help us in this church. That's not the point. I am trying to tell you the truth of God's word. And in doing so, there's a conviction that you stand before now. Will I do what God has called me to do? And what does that look like? If God has called you to be in this local assembly, then this is where you should come and fully commit and say, I'm here to serve. I'm signing up. And it's not about us. It's about the people in this church. And it is about you. It is about you. And what God is going to do in you. 
Those who have been in this church for a while and who have been serving, if your relationship with God has deepened because of your serving, can you just shout Amen? amen. You see, I believe all of us can go deeper into what it means to serve God's purposes. So can we just say together, Lord Jesus, today I choose to fulfill your purposes. I dedicate my life to serve your kingdom, to love you well, to love others well. Holy Spirit, empower me and strengthen me to live out your will for my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.